Thank you, guys. That was uh, beautiful. And uh, welcome again to Trinity Heights uh, virtual Christmas carol service. And it, it does seem like just the other day that uh, we were celebrating our carol service last year and, and Julia and I had to leave like just at the, at, as normally we have, as Tim said, some cheese and wine and some, and some festivities after the service. And uh, we had to leave early to get on a plane to go and see Julia's sister. And it was just a really good feeling to leave that evening. We couldn't join in the rest of the, 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 the food and drinking, but um, it was just a good feeling to know that we're leaving 80, 90 people together to just have a good time and enjoy each other's company and to know that this, this community was, was there. And, and of course, we had no idea what was, what was coming next, but uh, we're glad we can, we can do this together in this, in this way. You know, when, when I used to come home from school, when I was, I don't know, five, six, seven years old, my mum used to ask me what, what I did that day. Uh, at some point in the journey home from school, my mum would say, and what did you do in school today? And as I didn't particularly enjoy school, mostly because I thought it was boring, I, I really didn't want to rehash the day's events. Um, and, and also, I couldn't really rehash the day's events because... So it was very nice of my mum to show an interest in all, but I really couldn't be doing this every day. So I soon came up with a short but very succinct response, which at first may have seemed unbelievable at the time, but which my mum soon learned to accept. She would ask me, what did you do in school today? And I would respond with two simple words. I forgot. And nine times out of 10, it worked. Well, maybe not, but maybe five times out of 10, half the time at least it worked and I didn't have to rehash a day's events. And that may be the way we would like to respond to people about this year. I won't bother listing off the various reasons why I say this because we've all just lived through it and we don't want to relive it. So I won't rehash the details for us now. But when someone asks about 2020, it will be tempting to take a page from my six-year-old self and just simply reply. I forgot. Because we've all felt the emotional stresses and strains and the terrible sadness that this year has brought. And in addition to everything that we've experienced on a national or even international global scale, we've also had our own personal difficulties and problems to contend with as well. Some friends have expressed that they almost feel guilty for complaining about their personal difficulties given the scale of the world's problems. But that's just it, isn't it? We can talk about New York on pause, but the reality is the rest of life was not actually put on pause this year. In a very real way, life has carried on with its highs and lows. Different, but it's carried on and our personal problems are, are not so easily diminished, but perhaps have only been heightened by everything. I think of good friends who for several years, for several years have struggled with some area of their marriage. This year didn't stop that. If anything, it was intensified. I think of other friends who've struggled financially in years gone by. And this year didn't stop that. They've continued to struggle only more so. I think of other friends who have family members who are struggling with sickness and have been doing so long before 2020. Of course, I, I, I'm thinking of Julia's sister here as well. She was sick before in 2019, 
2020 didn't put that on pause, but it did make things more complicated, more isolated, and that much more difficult. And so 2020 did not push pause on any of these issues, as nice as that would have been. Wouldn't that be nice if there was a pause button? But it didn't pause these things any more than 2021 will push the reset button. That would be great, wouldn't it? If, if we turn the page of the calendar and we get to January 1st, 2021, and it's like this reset, everything gets reset. But of course, we know it doesn't work that way. There is no pause button and there is no reset button. And yet, and yet, here we are approaching Christmas. And it is in fact a time when in this same old, same old world, we celebrate that something genuinely new has happened. When it seems that life goes on as it always has, we claim at Christmas that something has happened so that life will never be the same. It need never be the same. And while we may be convinced that there is nothing new under the sun, yet at Christmas we claim that humanity itself has been given a new beginning, symbolized as it is by the way that we measure the Earth's journey around the sun, under which there is nothing new, the days and months and years measured from this new beginning. And so this is how the angels who appear to the shepherds announce this newness that breaks into this old world. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is a birth announcement of a Messiah, the Lord, some passages say Christ, the King, Messiah and Lord, Christ and King. And this announcement of this Messiah and Lord and Christ and King is, is sandwiched, it's in the middle, it's bracketed by these two statements about good news and great joy on the one hand and peace and goodwill on the other. This Messiah, this Lord means good news, it means joy, it means peace, it means goodwill. Good news, great joy, peace and goodwill. But when did this happen? It certainly didn't happen back then. Shortly after uh, he hears about Jesus' birth, Herod has all the baby boys, two years old and under, slaughtered in Bethlehem. Jewish tax revolt, thousands of Jewish people crucified. Then there was the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the exile of the, the Jews in 120 AD for nearly two millennia. Good news, great joy, peace on earth, goodwill. When? How? The, Christ, the birth of Christ did not push pause on the troubles of Israel or for the world. And it didn't push a button that gave Israel 
or the rest of us, a nice clean reset. But they do say that Rome wasn't built in a day. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is full grown, it becomes the largest tree and all the birds of the air come and take shelter and rest in its branches. Rome wasn't built in the day. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The birth of this small, insignificant child is in fact the small seed of a new beginning, the seeding of a new humanity on earth. The moment where God begins to reclaim humanity from the kingdom of the world for the kingdom of God, where God begins to reclaim humanity from the rule of Caesar for the rule of God. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan or by Caesar or by you or by me. I've written a brief meditation, which I've shared once before, and I want to close again with this this evening as we approach the end of 2020. And the meditation I've titled, When Jesus is Lord and Caesar Isn't. When Caesar is Lord, when Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, the sick and the dying are often left outside in the Roman world, put out of the house to die alone. When Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, even when the plague hits the Roman Empire, Christians stay behind to nurse the sick, to comfort the dying. And in the sixth century, Christian monks are sent out to establish hospitals in every major city across Europe. Today, in many parts of the world, the only hospital there is for miles around was set up and run by people who know that Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't. The idea of the hospital was spread by those people not some other people. Do not be afraid. Son of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, two thirds of the Roman world are slaves and later Western nations enslave entire people groups. When Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, the first anti-slavery thesis is written by the early church father in the second century. And William Wilberforce and other abolitionists who follow this thread end the slave trade as it was. And today the organizations fighting against human trafficking are being led by people who know that Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, when there's a disaster or a famine or a war or an earthquake, no one's coming, you're on your own. When Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, the largest aid and relief agencies in the world, which were started and are often still led by Jesus followers, they show up. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I bring you good news. I'll be cause of great joy for all people. 
When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, children and adults are locked in sweatshops and paid next to nothing to make cheap clothes for people who don't care where their clothing comes from and who will throw them away without a thought for where they go. When Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, people are actually concerned about where their clothing comes from and how it was made. Are they being given a fair wage for the work? Are the working conditions humane? And fair trade becomes a thing. And you know, fair trade in the last few decades was started and led by a small group of Christians actually working uh, out of my college, uh, St. John's College at my university in, in Durham. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't people, even a husband or wife becomes just an object to be set aside and every relationship becomes just another product to be consumed and disposed of when you're done. People as utilities, a means to an end, another end that may or may not include the other person in the end. But when Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, we have entirely different categories. We work with categories like loyalty and fidelity and friendship, and we don't abandon each other. We cling to each other through thick and thin, and we have each other's back. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, we hoard our money. This is Lord and Caesar isn't, we start to think giving away just 10%, well, that just isn't enough. We need to give more and more away sacrificially to the poor, to the marginalized, to the disenfranchised. Because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. When Caesar is Lord and Jesus isn't, the world is filled with pain and suffering and brokenness and tears and death, and there is no comfort. When Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't, we're told in Revelation, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne says, behold, I am making everything new. So do not be afraid. The angel said, I bring you good news that will be cause of great joy for all the people. But today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Amen. Amen.